Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. And we're live. Hello. How are we doing this week? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I don't know, I'm always just like tired on Sunday. Yeah, I'm kind of like wired right now. I don't know why I thought a 2 p.m. coffee was a good idea. So we're opposite. We're opposite moods right now. I had a 2 p.m. Olipop, but it's less caffeine than a coffee. I didn't even know there was caffeine in those. Only in the Coke and Dr. Goodwin ones. Mm. The root beer does not have caffeine in it. That is good to know. It's like green tea caffeine. It's not that much. So we were talking about doing like little goal check-in and like doing like group goals together and keeping each other accountable and keeping you guys in because that's like one of the hardest things that we've found in our 20s is like how to fucking keep up with things that you say you want to do (laughs) so we're hoping this can help us be more accountable and you guys be more accountable and so for august we decided that our goal would be two morning workouts per week because we felt like that was like a sustainable number so I want to do a little check-in there. How are you doing with your two morning workouts per week this month? Um, I don't think – no, I actually do I think I've had it. Could you try oh again? My God. Sorry, my computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Siri, shut up. Um, but actually, I do think I've done most of August because we did one when you were here, and then I did one with my sister before you got here, and then – I this week did today and yesterday, which I feel like that's a good reminder for everyone that it doesn't have to be like 6 a.m. before work. It can just be like Mm -hmm. the morning of your weekend. And I love that because then I can have like a slug weekend day of like doing literally nothing and feel like I'm like, oh, I did like one thing today. You know what I mean? So that's been nice. So I've been pretty good about it. Yeah, me too, actually. This is like the first time that I've stuck to morning workout goals, but I think like you were talking about in last week's episode, it's just because it was like a sustainable option. Like two per week is achievable, but like seven per week is maybe a bit hard for me. And I can start with two and then like ramp it up if that's where it gets to. But yeah, I we did one and then I did ice skating two times. I actually did like four morning workouts last week. And I've done three this week, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty proud of myself. Good job. Mm -hmm. Go queen. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think um, it's very – like two is a very easy number. It also – I always get overwhelmed like trying to force things into like every day or like five days a week. It's like my schedule is busy. And two, it's like you can find two hours a week to fit in morning workouts, so – I think it's great. Especially when Saturday and Sunday count. I think also it's helpful for me. Like I signed up for um, like a skating test, which skating I can only do in the morning. And so this is like I have to be skating at least two times a week in order to pass this test. That's really cool. That's honestly funny. I feel like our lives are just always so in sync because I'm actually doing a horseback riding show, which is like literally virtual. But it's the same – I'm sure the same reason you're thinking of doing it is because it, like, gives me something to work towards. And it's so nice. And it's been really fun doing my lessons because I'm, like, it's more structured and I, like, am working towards something. So I love that you signed up. How do you even, like – mine is through the clinic that I ride at. Like, how did you even find this ice skating test? Well, these tests, I used to take them when I was, like, younger and skating. They're called moves in the field and there's basically, like – pre-preliminary level to gold level and I never finished so I decided that I wanted to finish them because that's kind of like if you get your gold moves in the field you're like a very well accomplished skater and so Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start off with the adult moves in the field are easier to pass and so I'm going to just power through them and like take all of them uh, by the end of October and then I'll go back to like the I don't want to say children but like the not adult skater because um, it's like they're more in depth testing and it would just probably take me like five years, honestly, to get all the way to gold there. So my coach is like, let's get you a gold medal to like feel good about. And then we can go work towards like the other gold medal that you really want, but that will just like take longer. And 
But yeah, it's just something to like keep me accountable with skating, especially since it's like it has to be a morning workout thing. So it's like this is going to get me up to go. Like I have to go two times a week. Otherwise, I won't pass these tests. These There's like six judges and you have the ice all to yourself. It's very nerve wracking. So you want to like know all of the patterns perfectly and make sure that you're like executing exactly perfect. So it's um, nerve wracking, but I'm excited. And think I think because it's like adult level, uh, I think I'll pass easily, hopefully. <laughs> Yay, that's so fun. That's so exciting. Well, awesome. We can keep everyone updated on those. So other than your wonderful morning workouts, what has been a treat of your week? A treat of my week? Um, I went to the beach with my roommates on Saturday and we were there from like one until six and we just like read and slept and the water was so warm and we went in the water for like an hour and which is honestly big for me because I get really scared about stepping on stingrays. I've stepped on two mm-hmm. and I've just like not been stung. So I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm like pushing through my fear of that so that, you know, that's like helpful for my anxiety overall to like do things that scare me. So like being in the water past where I can't necessarily always touch all the time, like is a good kind of, I don't know, like a good, a little bit of anxiety to like help my overall anxiety tolerance, I feel like. So um, it just, that was a really nice and relaxing day. And I just had a good overall wholesome weekend. Like late summer in San Diego, I feel like is so nice because the water starts to warm up and like everything is good again. Um, So that's wonderful. The water is so warm here right now. It's almost like too warm, but it's really nice. I'm not, I'm not going to complain because I know it's going to go away so soon. <laughs> My tree of the week, I went out-ish. I went to like a friend's going away party last night and it was very um, chill and mellow, but it was fun like to just get ready and go out and hang out with people that I like. I've been super busy and like, I guess you guys were visiting and like, I don't know. There's just been so much going on. It was nice to kind of like, I don't know, go out, do something I own pace, come home to my puppy and my boyfriend and then like have a nice little night. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like an empty house where you're not like overwhelmed and stressed out by hosting <laughs> everyone. I know. I, I'm very excited, but Ali's coming to town next weekend and then you were just here and Bella just moved up here, which is so fun. Alexa was just here. So there's, and Natalie's still here. So like, there's so many people I'm still trying to see. So I'm trying to just really like pace myself. And like, when I do mm-hmm. take space, like take space. And then when I want to like get myself into it, like go and be wholly a part of it, which is really nice. And it's good and reassuring to myself that I've like found those boundaries and found out what I actually need. And understand my social battery a lot more than like I used to Mm -hmm. so it's always like almost like confidence boosting when I go through you know a good weekend yeah I feel like also that's one good thing about not living with friends anymore and like mainly living with Kai is that when you are social you can be very intentional about your social time like that's something Mm -hmm. that I struggle with having roommates I feel like sometimes I sacrifice my own like goals and like I don't know, routine to be social because I like have FOMO because they're all laughing downstairs and I want to be a part of it. But if I were to not live with them, I could know that every time I hang out with them, it's intentional versus like right now, like sometimes we'll hang out and like I, only because I have FOMO, but we're not like doing anything. Like we're just watching something. <laughs> I don't need to be down there for it, you know? But so it's easy to get sucked into doing things and like sacrifice your own, I don't know, I don't, goals for yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is much harder to keep up your own boundaries. I don't know. That's not even like boundaries because it's not like you don't want to. That's the thing that's hard is it's like it's almost like becomes discipline and you're like, this isn't like it's not me time if I'm like forcing myself and stressed about the fact that I'm like ignoring my friends right now. Like that's not rewarding. So, yeah, it is a great benefit to not be living with 10 girls like we were. That was my last housing situation pre-Kai. But yeah, all good things. Do you have a good resource from the week? Um, Well, I'm still, I'm going to start House of Gold, which you gave me, which I'm really excited to like have a new fiction book book and like a fun read that I'm really interested in that's not so educational. 
Um, but there is a book that I haven't read, but I want to read it. I just found out about it. It's from Jeanette McCurdy. It's like her um, autobiography, like spill all of like being a teen star on Nickelodeon. And it's called, mm. I'm happy my mom, I'm glad my mom died, I think. Yes, and it looks really good. I just saw that. So I can't like say that it's a good resource, but that is a resource that I'm going to buy and I'm very excited about reading. So I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on how that one goes. Yeah. I literally saw her. I saw all about that on TikTok the other day and I was like, oh my God, that book looks so good. So definitely keep me updated. Maybe we'll book swap again because that's going to be a great read. I'm sure. Um, yeah, honestly, I feel like I've been so busy. I like haven't, I don't have that much new content. I'm reading my same book, but I, Hmm. Yeah. I'm reading Midnight Library and it's just so good. I still 10 out of 10 recommend. I have like on my list, The Power of Now. Oh, I really want to do um, Ed Milet's new book. So yes, me if, too. if we're talking about resources that will be good, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a good one. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really excited for that. I absolutely love him I haven't even everything that he said. I haven't even like read that book, but I'll be at the gym and I'll like one more minute because Ed Milet said so. <laughs> so Ed Milet told uh, me. Like it, his recent, I was just gonna say his recent Skinny Confidential episode, whatever the most recent one where he talks about it. I can count that as my resource because that's what inspired me. Mm-hmm. Is just so good. He's just amazing. And well, also there's an a podcast episode of his where like one of his friends or coworkers, I don't know. I mean, team members, he doesn't really have any coworkers, I guess, um, a, like interviews him about like the book and his inspiration Ooh. for the book. And it was really good. He gets really emotional. He like cries in it and something, I don't know. I think he resonates so well with everyone because he's just so genuine and he's so heartfelt. Like every person he has on his podcast, he's constantly like, thank you so much for being here, man. Like you are truly an inspiration to me. Like, and I'm like, how is he so nice? Like Mm -hmm. he just makes me feel good and more positive when I listen to it. And I, it's something that I want to try to like just embody more gratitude and like be more vulnerable or like open with my emotions in, in that way towards people that I interact with on a daily basis. Well, and for being such like a legend, I don't even like, that's Mm -hmm. like almost like a, he's like a God. Like he's just so good. Everyone's obsessed with him. He's so humble. And I think that is like what Mm -hmm. draws you in because there's no sense of like holier than thou, like I'm better than you. Kind of like that, like alpha culture, like that's not his vibe at all. It's so approachable and welcoming and like humble. And so, yeah, he is a great, just him in general. He's my resource of the week. Go, go listen to some Ed Milet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I saw this like quote or something talking about like, when if someone bumps into you and you have a cup of coffee in your hand and the coffee spills on you, like that's because what was in the cup spilled. And so it's the same as like in your internal emotional state. Like if something happens to you, bad or good or whatever, whatever your immediate reaction is like what your internal cup is full of. Mm. And I was like, oh God, I really need to work on my internal cup because every time I'm in the parking lot, like rage, like, <laughs> that's what spills out of me and so I feel like thinking about Ed Milet like just pure like gratitude comes Mm -hmm. from his cup and that's something that I don't know how to get there but I definitely want to figure out how to get there because that quote just really struck me I was like oh fuck it's not I do need to work on like my internal emotional well-being my cup is run a thing over with the wrong the wrong feelings (laughs) yeah my therapist told me when I when I had a therapist he told me that um People that are hypochondriacs tend to have, or like a strong fear of dying, tend to have a lot of um, inner rage. And I was like, that's not true. I'm not like a rageful person. And then I'm like, maybe I am. Like, maybe I do have a lot of inner rage. Wait, that's crazy. And I think maybe it's because I just like, I don't know. I'm so self-sacrificing sometimes. But yeah, so my internal cup is a little, a little more bitter than it should be, than I would like it to be. So I'm going to work on that. Good. Mm-hmm. I love that. I guess it kind of being bitter and like angry kind of leads us into uh, our topic for this week. I wanted to talk about like a survival guide for when you hate your job because 
um, my first job out of college was like a soul sucking, life sucking job. And I didn't really realize that a bad job can like make it impacts every single aspect of your life. Like mm-hmm. to the point where you're like, is my relationship bad? Are my friends bad? Is where I live bad? Like, no, it's really just the fact that like you're in this soul sucking job and having a job that you like or you're in feel neutral about is life-changing and I think for me like I was sold this vision which we talk about this this is like the whole reason why we started the podcast is that I was sold this vision that like oh you work hard in high school you get perfect grades you have extracurriculars you go to one of the best fucking schools in the world and then you will graduate and you'll have a hundred K at least a year paying job and you're going to love it and it's going to be perfect and you're never going to have any problems ever again. (laughs) And then I go to the amazing school, I graduate and that's like just not what happened for me. And, um, so yeah, I, I think I'll start with like giving some background on like what my first job out of college was and then kind of like looking back on it, my tips for how to survive when you're at work in that job you hate, how to survive when you're out of work at the job you hate, like post nine to five, but still in that current role. And then some like job searching and interviewing tips. And, and I think Jordan has some stuff she's going to share with us too. So that's kind of how it's going to go today. But, um, but yeah. Woo. So background for why I'm qualified to speak on this subject. So I graduated in May 2020, which is obviously like comparable to graduating in 2008 in terms of like the job market. Um, My whole plan all of college was always to go to grad school right out of college. So I was never really like focusing on internships in throughout my college years and um my junior year summer, I spent really like prepping to get into grad school. But then senior year, I started having these like hormonal problems. I just felt very burnt out. And I thought that school and the pace of school was contributing to that. And so I was like, okay, we're not going to go to grad school. Like we need a change of pace. I want more routine. I want nine to five. Like, But because of that, my resume wasn't as strong as I would have liked applying for jobs. And every company ever was on a hiring freeze. (laughs) So looking back, if I had known that we were going into a pandemic, I would have just committed to school. And if I would have known my job would suck that fucking much, I would have gone to school. But you don't know what you don't know. So that's, I, I went into this blind. I was very like in 2020, I was at my parents' house, obviously, and I was very hell bent on getting out and being on my own. I just felt like, I had four years living with my friends and I felt like an adult and I was like so happy with that that I thought that living with my parents would be regressing and be really bad on my mental health. So even though I didn't need a job, in that wasn't really my mindset. My mindset was you do need a job because you need to get out of your parents and like not live in this city that you hate and like be somewhere that you like. And so that was where my mindset was. And Looking back, that's like such a, I had such a desperate energy to me that it makes sense. I got myself into this soul and life sucking job because I basically had one interview and that was Amazon and I accepted it. I didn't even like wait because the job search was looking so bad. I was like, I'll take anything they'll give me. Uh, The pay was less, a lot less than I was expecting out of college, but I was like, the benefits are good, and they gave like a large signing bonus and a lot of stock. But looking back, they everyone calls stock options like golden handcuffs because they offer you such a big package, and they know you're not going to stay four years because like it takes typically four years to fully get all of it. So they're like, we're going to say we're going to give them this money, but they're never going to stay four years anyway, especially like an entry level employee like me. So I I. The golden handcuffs like had me hooked. I was like, cool, I'll buy a house with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, this Amazon job was an operations manager role in a delivery site in San Diego. And obviously I wasn't excited about like the operations environment, but I figured that I was a good foot in the door at Amazon and that I would just get promoted like really fast. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'll have Amazon on my resume. I'll get promoted quick. Like who cares? And um, 
after close to a year working there, I was like performing really well. I was definitely one of like the strongest managers at my site. And then my manager went on leave of absence and then all of my coworkers left. So I had a team of six and it quickly was like just me. And I was doing my boss's job and I was training three completely new people all at the same time. And if you've ever had to train someone at work, you definitely know that sometimes it's like just easier to do it all yourself than it is to like show someone. So like training three people and kind of like covering what was seven people's jobs at once was like so awful. I was working 15 hour days every day and like they brought in regional management to help that they were like worse and they made me cry like every day. And so basically that's like, that's the background. The job was awful. And it was like all men and I felt I was like the youngest one. I was managing people who were like twice my age. It was just like very not what I wanted. And especially that combined with the transition from college, like when I was having the time of my life with like amazing friends, no responsibilities. And then I'm like in this job doesn't even pay me well. And like I also worked four four days a week. 10 to 12 hour days. So like I wasn't on the same schedule as everyone else. It was really hard to make friends. So this was a huge wake up call for me. And I was like, I have to get out of this. Like this, I was burnt out at school. This is worse. Like I couldn't imagine. I don't know how I got myself into this. I was considering quitting and moving back with my parents because I was like, even though that's the one thing I wanted to avoid, like I don't know what else to do. So again, I was in a desperation mode when I was looking for jobs, which is a bummer, but I got a job that I like now, so it's okay. And I thought that this new job, this new page, I mean, I thought that this job and this change of pace in life would help my health, but it made it worse. Like I ended up gaining a ton of weight, even though I was eating super healthy and working out all the time, but I, my body had so much stress in it that like it didn't matter what I did. I, I wouldn't have nothing would have uh, gotten better. And I was working like 1 p.m. to like midnight. So that's like not mm -hmm. healthy hours to work anyway. And it just kind of like gave me this negative worldview on like everything in my life. Like I was just, I've never been that depressed. I wasn't suicidal, but I was kind of like, I don't care. And someone who has an extreme fear of dying to like not care about that anymore, like mm -hmm. that was shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is like a little background on where I was and my first job experience. Yeah. I mean, like as your best friend, I just remember how miserable it was. And like, I just remember the schedule was off. And so even if like you and I could somehow see each other, our days didn't line up and you would have to like leave on Sundays or like Saturdays mm -hmm. to like go back to work. And you were working these long night shifts and you like, I remember your schedule, like you'd be texting me after you got off at like, like 12, like midnight or later. And then you would obviously like sleep eight hours, but it would be like 10 or 11 the next day. And like, you just like, I it could, I could tell you were so thrown off and like, it totally makes sense. Um, but I do have some statistics that I think are interesting on like, how people our age tend to feel about their job mm -hmm. in their first year because a lot of what you were saying, I literally like deep, I kind of like fell down a rabbit hole of employer statistics of people <laughs> our age because at first I was like, oh my God, I have nothing to bring to this conversation. Like I want to make sure I have something. And so I like was going to look up like a couple data points and now I have like 15 and we don't have to get into all of them. I'll bring them up if like the topic is relevant. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really interesting because like our generation is kind of, has meant much different expectations of their employers and what, you know, work is going to look like out of college. And one of the main things that I saw is that um, almost all Gen Zers expect a promotion within their first year, mm -hmm. which is like, I agree. Same. We all do. I mean, all of our friends do. And it's actually pretty common. And a lot of jobs, I think, have kind of pivoted like their systems to be a bit more like level instead of like you have to get promoted to, you know, a manager or whatever you can like level up within the same role, role you're in. Um, and then the other thing, so like, I think that's like a trap that a lot of Gen Zers get into is like, if you think like, oh, I'll just skyrocket through this company, mm -hmm. then like, I'll be happy. And it's like, also like, that's yes, maybe, but also somewhat unrealistic. Then the other statistic that I think is so interesting is that 
94% of Gen Zs have searched for a new job due to burnout in their current role. And that's considering the fact that we are the oldest Gen Zs and we've only been in the workforce for two years. So it's like, um, I think millennials are 88, Gen Gen X is 82, and boomers were 37%. Um, But it's like, our generation feels extremely burnt out at work. Like 94% of Gen Z have searched for a job and attributed it to burnout, Mm -hmm. which I just think is so interesting. And I... I mean, we can probably get into, like, why, but we don't have to for this episode. But I think that's important for everyone to know, like, not to, like, discredit your journey more. Like, you're not alone and you're allowed to have these standards because, like, everyone else is. Like, mm-hmm. you can leave because you don't like your job. Also, um, 33% of people – you always hear that statistic of, like, you should stay a year after college. And I think you felt that a lot at your role. Like, I just need to make it to a year because that's, like, the rule. And – um across all generations, 33% of employees leave their job within 90 days. So like literally within three months. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like, apparently it's like a, it's like in HR circles, it's a very significant retention number mm-hmm. is like making sure your employees get past the first 90 days because the retention rate after that is way higher than before that. Wow. So like a lot of people leave. Um, and 55.3% of college graduates will leave their first job within the first year and 70% within two years. So it's like very common. And I'm saying all of this to, once again, not like discredit anyone's feelings, but point out that like you are told this, you feel that everyone around you is so happy with their jobs and everyone is like having a great time and you're the only one that is miserable. And I think everyone kind of gets a little bit weirdly competitive with job situations But, like, if you look at the data, there's a lot of people, especially in our generation, going into the job market that we all went into that are, like, dissatisfied with where they're at. So I'm sure a lot of you will relate to this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the burnout thing, 90, what, 4%, that's shocking to me. But I think it makes sense, though, because in our current generation, like, I don't think that wages have risen the same way that cost of living has risen and Mm -hmm. so like you know 50 years ago your entry-level job could buy you a house you had a college degree like your family was going to be well off and that was the case and now it's like you have a call that's like college degree is the same as like a ged almost like you need it to get a job and your job is going to pay you as little as they fucking can and work you as much as they can and so that it's so easy to get burnt out in that way that's my first theory and my second theory is also that working from home, like in the workplace, people used to like go for a long lunch and like have a beer with their coworkers at lunch and leave at 3 p.m. for happy hour. Like it wasn't, I think that COVID working from home in a way like freed a lot of people from like their commuting, but it also like it, a lot of people have struggled with like work boundaries because now it's like Mm -hmm. you wake up at seven, you're working as soon as you wake up, you're checking your email, you're checking your phone. Like, so the lines between like working and not working are blurred, especially like, like me, like my desk is in my room. I could literally Mm -hmm. spend all day, every day in my room and not see one person, not even my roommate. And that's very draining. And I also think my first job at Petco was a bullshit job and that was stressful in its own right because I had so little to do that I was like, I felt guilty for not having enough to do and like making money for not doing anything. But then I also felt like I had to like be next to my computer and I didn't have like, it didn't feel like, oh, you have nothing to do. Like, that's great. Like, no, I'm stuck in my house with nothing to do, but like I have to be next to my computer in case something does come in for me to do. Mm-hmm. And my therapist told me there's like a whole book on this. There's a lot of books on this, but there's one book he recommends. I forget the name exactly, but like talking about how a bullshit job can be just as stressful as an overwhelming job because of all the guilt that comes with that those feelings. And yeah. like, so those people that maybe have bullshit jobs at companies where if you were going into the office, you could get the social time and like, you could like get in a little late and leave a little early and not feel so overwhelmed about when you're logging on. And if you're away on teams or whatever that is, like, Mm -hmm. I think that contributes to burnout in a, in people might not think that, but in a weird way, I think a bullshit job also contributes to to burnout pretty a lot. 
Oh, yeah. One of the data points, I, I didn't write this one down, so I don't have the exact percentage, but it was that like the three major factors for burnout in specifically our generation is like undervaluation. So like you're not getting paid enough um, under utilization. So like you don't have enough work or you're not using your degree or um, overworked, like mm-hmm. just are slammed. Um, and so I think totally. And I think that's an issue with a lot of people is like, companies really at least where i work like they really hype up gen z and like they want to have the gen z perspective and they want young hires and all for all these reasons but they don't really like plan for it well and so i think a lot of entry-level jobs it's very hit or miss on if the company is like actually set up to support an entry-level employee and like Mm -hmm. it's either it's either one of the two it's either like they're like you're an intern forever and you're like no this is my actual fucking job or they're like you're fine. Like you, you're like, you can do the same shit as upper management can. And you're like, no, I don't even know how to fucking use outlook. Like, please help me. (laughs) I also think if anyone is, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people resonate with this, but it reminds me of when Rana was talking about like the, it's a small world after all, which I think about Mm -hmm. all the time, how she was like, I literally felt like I was on it's small world in the middle of COVID because I would like wake up and go to my fridge and go to my bed and then go to my desk. And then, and it was just like the same thing. I think everyone is feeling that and it's like really, really contributing to burnout. So Mm -hmm. also if you, if you agree with that, go listen to the Rana episode because if you're new here, it's definitely one of my favorites. She was so great. Um, But yeah, I do think work from home is really contributing to burnout in like a different way. Yeah. I think something that made it hard for me too is getting myself into a situation in like a job that made me hate everything so much. I was literally questioning every single decision I've ever made. And I didn't trust myself because I was like, my poor decision making got this decision making got me here. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go to Juilliard. I didn't pursue acting and musical theater for this. <laughs> like, why didn't yeah. I do that? Like I thought that if I went to this school and majored in this, that I would be very financially well off. And like, that's the whole reason why I didn't do acting was because I didn't want to have no money. But now I'm like, now I have no money and I'm not doing something that I really like to do. So like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And like, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm an idiot, apparently. Like I, the world, your teachers in high school, like sell you this vision. And I like ate it up. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be perfect. And like, life's going to be so easy breezy. And it just... I felt like I put myself in a bad position when I, and I, I felt kind of like isolated in that, but it, those stats you say are like comforting. Like I think a lot of people yeah. probably feel that way in their first job or mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be your first, like it could be any job people might feel that way. Like a bad job, it's very hard to survive on the outside and like have a thriving life when you hate your job and it's like that overwhelming. So I have some tips for when you're on the clock and then like when you're off the clock. So I think my very first tip is that as soon as you realize that you're like overwhelmed at work or not happy, whether it's like you feel like you're underutilized, um, it's very important to like sit down with your boss and have a one-on-one and just be honest about it. You don't need to say like, I'm looking for jobs because you might not be. You could literally just be like, hey, I had these expectations and I'm feeling like we're not, I'm I'm feeling like X, Y, and Z and I would love some help because I think that conversation can give you a lot of insight to the company culture mm-hmm. and the team culture. Like it's very important to observe your boss's reaction to that conversation. Like if your boss is very dismissive and like doesn't care, then first of all, prep your resume, like get out of there. Yeah. But second of all, if your boss is dismi- is like accepting and he's listening to you or she's listening to you and they want to help you, like that's a good sign. But be wary of over-promising and under-delivering because I think like your, your boss like wants you to do well and wants you to be happy and wants you to get promoted 90% of the time unless you just have a shit boss. But just because they want that doesn't mean that that's like going to happen. Doesn't mean that's where the company is at. And so although you might like your team, like maybe this company as a whole is somewhere that you can't be. And maybe it's vice versa. Like maybe you love the company, but you don't necessarily love your team. So I think like that one-on-one conversation can be very telling and um, just kind of like see where it goes from there. Like if they listen to you and and things get better, then that's great. And things get better and you can stay. But if 
if that conversation kind of leads to nothing and you decide that you are 100% sure you're going to leave the company, I think it's important to not fully check out of your current responsibilities. Like, you don't want to be burning bridges here. So, like, just figure out what the bare minimum that you need to do to, like, not get in trouble is and then do that. Mm. There's no need to be killing yourself to go above and beyond and be an overperformer if you know you're going to leave the company. Like, just get the shit that you need to get done done. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I've still working on, but like learning is that you don't need to check off all of the things on your to-do list. Like sometimes things can get pushed until Monday or Tuesday or the next week. Like it's okay to have a running to-do list that never, that doesn't ever get finished. Like it will get finished, but it you're always going to end. <laughs> that it's never going to end. Like it's okay to have five things you need to do on Monday. Like it doesn't need to all get done that Friday or that day. So like understanding that it's okay. And it's like, I always reference that TikTok where it's like, it's not the end of the world. You work in marketing. Like you're not putting anyone's lives at risk. So no one's going to fucking die. (laughs) Yeah. like if, If you're not a doctor or like someone that's saving people's lives or something like that, then like it doesn't fucking matter. Like the and, people that it matters for are the airport traffic control and like heart surgeons. <laughs> like otherwise, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, also, like in if people, I it's hard for me, like a perfectionist person, to figure out. Like, okay, I'm gonna start barely performing. Like, it's hard to not over mm-hmm. or like want to overachieve or perform, but. Remember that one, you probably won't get fired. And two, if you do get fired, you'll just be able to collect unemployment while you search for a new job. I know that's like bad to say. I feel like it's taboo to say, but also like maybe that's what you need. Maybe that's like your blessing in disguise, like getting fired and having unemployment to collect while you like figure out what your new place is. (laughs) If if you get fired with cause, I don't think you're valid for unemployment. But they probably wouldn't fire you. They probably just lay you off <laughs> when yes. you are valid for unemployment. Um, but I do have a point on oh, one of the things you were saying. Oh, I feel like a lot of people, to your point of like overworking and overperforming, I think that there's almost a tendency to overperform when you're in those situations because you're leaving and you're like, I need to leave this role well and it's like yes to some extent but you also don't need to and if the team crumbles because an employee leaves or needs to take time off or whatever it is that is on your employer another tip from rana's episode that has stuck with me Mm -hmm. that is your employer that is your manager's fault and that is a weak point of the company that they need to fix um so it's not on you to like backfill your role it's not on you to like onboard the next person if they can't get them there in time like those are things that are not your responsibility and yes you can do to be helpful but you aren't required to do just because you're leaving your job and I do think there's a lot of like I think maybe even in our generation because we graduated when we did a lot of people feel a lot of like debt to their employers and I think it's because a lot of our friends weren't getting jobs and we're getting their jobs furloughed. So if you had one that was fine, you're like, oh my God, thank God. You don't owe them fucking anything. And so like, remember that when you're in this process, <laughs> like you can help in whatever way you want to help, but you don't need to and you don't owe them literally mm-hmm. anything. So like, always remember that. And I think also there's like a difference between like burning bridges and just like not going above and beyond when you're leaving, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's one thing to like deliberately rub people the wrong way. But if you're like, Hey, my two weeks is now, like I'll do what I can. And then you do what you can. And if you, if what you can, it's like not what, what they needed necessarily. I don't think anyone's going to, going to hate you for that. It's more so if you like, I don't know, like if you just peace out, like no, no explanation, no nothing. 
and then you rub someone the wrong way, it can definitely like impact your job search in the future if someone reaches out to your employer and stuff like that. So I think, and also like everyone's just a person at the end of the day. Like I think most people are out here like trying to help you and they'll be proud of you for getting a new job that you'll be happier at. Like I was really scared to put in my two weeks, but my team was like, that's so awesome. Like we're so happy for you. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's a fine line with like the way you exit a company as well. Yeah. Well, and I also like, I always think of like, how would I feel receiving this news? And like, I have Mm -hmm. never once, I mean, I've been like, oh, bummer. I loved working with you. And that's like the extent of my negative emotions or like, I have no feelings whatsoever. (laughs) Because like, you're just like someone I fringe work with. Like, you're never going to be mad at someone for doing something else. And like, even if you are leaving on like, because of animosity or because tension with your boss or whatever it is, it's probably going to be between you and one person or like Mm -hmm. two people. The team, the company is not going to be aware of any of it. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying that much attention to you. Like it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And so those are my tips for like when you're in the workplace, which is basically just like check out a little, but not fully. (laughs) I'm just going to add one more. Um, and I think it's kind of to your point earlier about checking on like the way your manager reacts to your career conversation. And like, mm-hmm. I do think if you are at a company that you align with and you're in a role that you don't align with, there is definitely opportunity and ways to take advantage of that. And that's something that I did. Um, and when I had that conversation, I was just an intern, but I was like, Hey, this isn't the org that I want to be in. And like, I'm going to get stuck in this org. If I take your return offer for like probably five years before I can get into the org I want to be in. And my intern manager was like, okay, let's scale back your intern like project and just network for like the rest of the summer, basically, which was really wonderful. I think that's above and above, above and beyond management. Like that's not necessarily what you can expect, but you can expect like, two, three hours of your week to be, you know, you could use that for networking. So I definitely think like, if you are like, this is a team issue or the work I'm doing or a role issue, take advantage of networking because it's going to be a lot easier to like hire internally and find a role internally while you're there. And while you're like, have the support of your manager and your team to connect you with people. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that is like, another way you can look at it is like take note of like is this like why am I leaving and is this something that can be fixed internally yeah and that's something that I did at at Petco too in my first job I was like I don't I don't like this role I don't think this is like the best role for me I don't think my skills are being utilized and I want to stay at Petco but I don't want this job and my manager was so supportive they were like okay, like spend half of your time this week for the next few weeks, like searching at jobs here and connecting with people on different teams and figuring out where you want to go. And I support you have my full recommendation. I was like, okay, awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it really can yeah. be that. I don't think that's like, um, as one off as maybe we think I, it's so it's important to also like have that conversation because 100%. you'll be surprised most of the time what people's responses to that kind of thing is. Yeah. Um, But so some things that I did when I was like off the clock in order to find some level of like happiness or stability in my life, I first I started meditating. Like I would say meditating is like 100% the easiest, cheapest thing you can do to ground yourself when you are in an overwhelming place in any kind of whether it's like anything happening in your life but especially like a shitty job that you have to go to for 40 hours a week like just knowing that I had that 10 minutes every day that was just peaceful to reset recalibrate like get myself in a gratitude mindset gratitude that I had a job that I didn't have to ask my parents for money that I could support myself like just sh- shifting my energy to be more open and accepting than like, I don't know, so resisting. Um, I remember when I first started meditating, like literally after one week, I started to feel joy again. And it was such an unfamiliar feeling to me that like, I felt like it was anxiety. I I told my therapist, I was like, it's weird. I'm like happy, but I'm also like, I haven't felt this in so long that it's like overwhelming to feel 
happy, which is just like crazy that that's how bad it was. But still, mm-hmm. like even just one week of meditating, obviously I'd still have bad days and like get overwhelmed at work. It wasn't like a solve for everything, but it definitely was a major um, safe. It helped me so much. And I think another big one is just like communicating with your friends and your family the way that you're feeling because I think it's really easy to lash out at the people that you care about the most when in reality like you might just had a bad day or like be stressed about your job but then like you're going to take it out on your boyfriend or you're going to take it out on your best friend but like so just let them know how you're feeling in a way like that's not always emotional dumping I think it's hard to like toe that line too of like letting them know where you're at, but not constantly every day putting all of this baggage and like feeling onto them. So just like being clear with people, your inner circle, like how you're feeling and just like letting them know how they can support you and whether that's listening or like making sure that you're working out every once in a while or like still taking care of yourself. I don't know, but just like communicating with your loved ones because if people don't know that you are feeling this way, they're going to be surprised if you're like, I don't know, in a mood, in a funk, being mean for no reason. They're like, what the fuck is going on with her? So I think it's important to just communicate well. Mm-hmm. And I think another big one is like fully turn off work when you're not there, especially if you know this company is like not something that you want to stay at. Like, when you take your time off or when you're not on the clock, you are not on the clock. And I know that they say salaried workers are salaried because like maybe you're always on the clock, but I don't like, that's a stupid mindset. So I don't true. agree with that. And that's definitely just like, I know, Great I feel like, that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, well, I don't think jobs say that, but I think like older generations are like, you're salaried, you're on the clock all the time then, you know? Yeah. So I think that's like a cultural oh. mindset, but I don't think that that's like, it's not true. I don't believe that, you know? Also, even if you like your job, like we were talking about earlier, like burnout is literally attributed to like never feeling like you can turn off from work from home. Make sure you are turning off. Like don't Mm -hmm. check your phone. I feel like a lot of us were so immersed in work for so long because we were remote that we just like just became like a part of our every single day of our life. And we had like no weekends and no time off. Like I don't know. So weird. So like whether mm-hmm. you do or don't like your job, turn your fucking email off. <laughs> yeah. And I think another way to like, uh, you can also take a staycation. Like we've been talking about this, mm-hmm. like take time off, use your, use your sick time, use your personal time off. Like, and whether that's to like just decompress and relax or whether that's to like prep your resume and like dream about what the next job you want is. And like, you can have time at home where you're not like on vacation, but you're just like working on figuring out what your next steps in life are, you know? And so utilize that time. Yeah, exactly. Like use (laughs) your time off. Like take take time. Yeah. I think another big one is like, not everyone is able to do this, but if you are able to do this, like maybe change your budget up a bit so that you can start saving as much as you can. So that if this is an option that you could save up money to leave your job and not have to work for like three to six months, which I know it's a lot of money to save, but like, you know, I think that's a good thing to have in general all the time for anyone, three to six months of like living expenses so that you're never stuck in a job and that you don't have to stay somewhere for a year and a half, two years, just because you like have no other option. And so even if you don't hate your job right now, I would still recommend trying to get a kind of good buffer so that you never have to be stuck in a job that you hate and you can just take like how we talked to Natalie about how like she got laid off but then she had planned to take two weeks but took six months to like figure out her dream life so like take that time and maybe also if you don't have if you can't save the money maybe you could take a leave of absence and like get paid disability like those are options as well for like mental health problems or other health reasons like you can definitely Mm -hmm. utilize that and most companies have that option so I think if you can't save in that way, take a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. And um, then I just have some little job searching and interviewing tips to like finish everything up. So um, I think the most important thing is to take time with your job hunt when you are searching for a job. This is what I failed at doing in my entire job searching life. <laughs> but I think if you're rushing into it, if 
you're going to fall back into another company that you hate, another team that you hate because that desperate energy is going to attract that, you know? So just making sure that you're very clear on what kind of role you want, what kind of company you want to be at and waiting until you find that. And um, I think it's important to take time to write out the things that matter to you in a job or a company and get very clear on what your values are so that you can search for that. I think when this is how I felt when I was at Amazon so desperate, I was like, I'll take anything. I'll take any job they give me. And, but I was forgetting that I'm being interviewed for a reason. Like this company is interested in me. I need to interview them back just as hard. Like, what are they going to do for me? What are they going to do if I get burnt out, if I'm overwhelmed? Like, what's the team culture like? What's the company culture like? And I don't think people take advantage of that time in an interview when the interviewer is like, do you have any questions for me? Like, interview them right fucking back. They're not, they don't mm-hmm. owe you. I mean, you don't owe them anything. They are work like they're working for you as much as you're working for them. Like it's a joint transaction here. So just being very clear on what you want and making sure that you have a clear as you can picture of like what the company team culture is like, like as clear as you can get if you're not in the company. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, those are my main, my main tips, my main survival guide. I love it. Yeah. I think it's very important because I mean, like I said, the data, the numbers don't lie. Like people are looking mm-hmm. for new jobs and people are burnt out, especially young, younger generations. And so it's important to know your worth and know, you know, how to explore elsewhere. So mm-hmm. good job. And like the whole like graduating college and getting adjusted to work is like a lie, a weird, a weird, overwhelming, depressing time anyway. And so I think hopefully this episode can help anyone else who is struggling with that because that was like a year and a half long learning process for me. And it's definitely easier said than done. It's easier to be like, oh yeah, I won't have desperate energy. Like when I'm looking for a job, like mm-hmm. if you need out, you need out. So like, yeah. I totally understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think hopefully this helps some people and um, let's cheers to uh, finding dream jobs that, that treat us well. Or dream lives. Dream lives. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We don't, we don't, I don't dream of working. So good point. I dream of living. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Woohoo. Cheers to that. Yeah.